0: If you thought the New York Jets and their fans were going to have an opportunity to sit back and just enjoy the Senior Bowl festivities this week, you got another thing coming. I'm Glenn Naughton with Jet Nation Radio and JetNation.com. Be sure to log into JetNation.com where you can register and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. Join this week from Mobile, Alabama with Dylan Terman and Chris Schubert. Chris not on location, but he's here to talk about today's breaking news and, of course, a little bit of what he's hearing about Mobile. So, fellas, Diana Rossini of ESPN, we got to start with this. It's the story of the day. Even though we thought this would just be all draft talk, Diana Rossini of ESPN, along with, Zach, sorry, of, of the athletic, along with Zach Rosenblatt, reported, um, it's a damning report about the New York Jets, about the organizational dysfunction within that building. A story that calls out Robert Sala for being paranoid, Nathaniel Hackett for being incompetent, Aaron Rodgers for having too much power, Joe Douglas for being powerless, according to one AFC executive. Not a great look for anyone in the building. The funny thing to me, guys, the two responses that I'm seeing, the two most common responses, reactions to this story from Jets fans, number one is that Diana Rossini is a liar. And number two is that everything she said is true and we already know it. So both those things can't be true. She's either a liar or what she's saying is true. And if I had to guess based on what we saw this year, it's true. What do we think, fellas?
1: Uh, I'll take it first. I know Chris has a whole uh, college dissertation out for this uh, this specific report, but I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think Jets fans love to live in the extremes of, Oh, Diana is a liar. Sure, whatever. I mean, she doesn't get paid to just spread constant lies. Obviously, some things she says have to be accurate for her to keep a job at such a a place like the Athletic. Um, but you can sit there and read every every paragraph or every you know even every sentence, every quote, and be like, "Yeah, that could apply to the Jets in twenty twenty three and potentially in twenty twenty four as well." So the truth definitely lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I think, from my perspective, what I've seen from Rossini's reporting and even a little bit of Zach Rosenblatt's reporting is they don't really like Aaron Rodgers as a human being, and that's fine. But I don't know. It just it it comes off at a time when all the media is back together for the first time in Mobile, rumors are flying around. Um, just very convenient timing. Happy birthday, coach. Here it is. We're just gonna just punch you right in the face with it. So really an unfortunate look. And it feels like anytime the Jets start gaining any type of positive momentum to getting away from the the leaks and the distractions and the bullshit, then something else has to come and hit the fan. So it seems pretty on point at this point that we can't just enjoy senior bowl week, week like you said. And uh, we're here talking about Rodgers and Hackett and it's all stuff we know. If anybody has listened to us for the past six months, four months, whatever, since Rodgers' injury, we've said it all along. Hackett doesn't adjust. He's not a great offensive coordinator. His one and only thing to be here for was Aaron Rodgers. It got shut down after four plays. So we kind of know all this stuff. So, yeah, I can't say she's a liar, but I can't say I believe every single thing that was reported in that story.
2: There's so much to unpack from what we got to see today from this reporting from Diana Rossini and, and Zach Rosenblatt. And and Dylan, I, I take a lot of, of what you say and I, and I agree with it, right? But here's what I will say. I think there is some nuance to having a conversation about certain aspects of this story. We can talk about how the front office gets a pretty nice landing in this story other than the one quote about Joe Douglas being the assistant GM. We can talk about how this story once again paint, paints Aaron Rodgers in a negative light. What we are not going to debate here on this show, and I think all three of us are in agreement on this, this story has over 30 sources from inside the building at One Jet's Drive. The reporting on this is solid. The reporting on this is accurate. You don't get a story published at a sports media company that is owned by the New York Times without this being cleared at the highest of high levels by showing your work and saying, this is who we spoke to. This is the information we got. And I listened to Zach Rosenblatt today on the Can't Wait. Podcast podcast that they do for the New York Jets. He mentioned their stuff they didn't put in the story because it couldn't get cleared with enough sources and there was stuff that they would get that would be combated by another source, and so they left it out. They did their journalism uh, duties here in putting this story together. For me, what is th- there are two big takeaways. It is one thing for the three of us yo-yos to talk on this podcast every week about what we see when we watch the ga- or watch the games, when we watch the All-22, when we talk among ourselves about what's wrong with this team. It is another to see it written down by people who cover the team and to have it validated by people that are inside the building. An, a, a, an anonymous AFC executive, a coach inside the building. The quotes from players that then get interwoven with, with quotes from coaches talking about what's been going on. That is when this becomes another octave. And it goes to another level. And I'll tell you what, guys, the person who comes out of this looking the worst. And to me, there's this big blanket that's put over this that says, oh, we, we already knew all of this. There's one part of it that we didn't. And it is the fragility of this head coach. And I'm sorry, I'm going to go there on the show tonight. This guy cannot be the head coach for this football team in 2024. You have a head coach that is more concerned about the bad press that the team across the hall in the other building is getting. You have a coach that's more concerned with putting together the statistics of what other coaches have done without good quarterbacks. So he can text his buddy Joe Bodingo and he can go out on the air with it. He's more concerned about finding out where the leaks are and getting cell phones taken away. He's paranoid, looking for a vote of confidence in week 11. He's worried about all these other things instead of making the team better. And guys, three paragraphs into the story, it told you everything you needed to know about Robert Sala. When Aaron Rodgers went down, the coaching staff in that building changed the expectations to we just have to win seven games. It is there blatantly, three paragraphs into the story that they they shifted their expectations. Do you wanna know why nobody came through that door backup quarterback? Because they changed the expectations of what this team could be. They thought that little of everybody else in that building that they were only going to get to seven wins. That that was the pie in the sky rose-colored glasses best case scenario. I've got a lot more but I don't want to take up all the time so somebody else can go for a little bit. No, no, no. no, no. But, the, but I think the other thing, Chris, that the, the detail
0: that jumped out at me is that we, we have talked about what an idiot uh, Nathaniel Hackett is and we didn't like the hire, we kind of wanted to be optimistic. Not even optimistic, but give him a chance, so to speak. We've all said he was terrible. We've all said he doesn't adjust. That is stuff we didn't need her to tell us. But telling us he wasn't meeting with his key, his coaches throughout the week, that is a big deal okay. that we didn't know. And so to the- find out he's not meeting with these guys until right before the game is – about as damning an indictment you can have for a coach in terms of communication preparation. We didn't know that like being bad is one thing being bad because you're not doing any work is another.
2: So this is, I would would love to piggyback off of this point again. Sorry. I do not mean to monopolize the time. I've just spent all day writing 450 words down about this. And so I have thoughts that point is so important, Glenn, for two reasons, because we did learn another detail that they didn't watch any, um, didn't didn't watch film in training camp. The least amount of film that a coach has ever seen a team watch. What are we doing? That's unacceptable. But everything that we learned and we put words to about Nathaniel Hackett in terms of his preparation, in terms of his adjustments, it absolutely kills a narrative that people in this space, myself included, thought to be true throughout the course of the season. Because myself, you guys did, our good buddy Jake Asman, a bunch of people in this space talked about how all you have to do all you have to do is go out and get a backup quarterback. Go out and get anybody. Go out and get Joe Flacco. Go out and get Carson Wentz. Go out and trade for, um, Jacoby Berset. Just trade for Josh Dobbs. Get anybody. Do you know what you have to do when you bring in a backup quarterback? When you have, when you are on the plan B at quarterback and you don't have plan A, the two things you have to do, the two things you have to do better than everybody else, you have to out prepare them. And you have to out-adjust them. When you don't have your go-to guy, you have to out-prepare and you have to out-adjust. Nathaniel Hackett cannot do either of those things. Yet this organization is going to run it back with the exact same group, and they're going to change one piece. Don't give me that they got rid of their running backs, Coach. Don't give me that Rex Hogan and the Jets parted ways. Do not give me that. You are running back the same coaching staff. That is unprepared, that does not adjust, that does whatever Aaron wants. When we look back three years from now, and I'm hoping that we are doing this podcast together, there is going to be a tombstone for this era of Jets football, and there's going to be two quotes on it. It's the quote that's down below me right now, and the other one is, that's what Aaron wants. Those are the two quotes that are going to be on the tombstone for this era of New York Jets football. Because I'm sorry, guys, I've said it all off-season long, and I will continue to say it. This football team is going nowhere in 2024 with this coaching staff. You are not going to convince me that Aaron Rodgers is the difference. A 41-year-old quarterback coming off of an Achilles injury with a coordinator who in his two best seasons wasn't the guy calling plays. I'm sorry, you are not going to convince me otherwise.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you said it, out, outplayed and out adjusted. I mean, those are words that Alan Lazard said we specifically didn't do all season long. Um, and I know that those haven't rubbed some potential leaders the wrong way, according to the report, but it's true. I mean, if you're on offense and you can tell that your coach is not adjusting at any point in the football game to make yourself better, and it started with Dallas, and we knew it. We sat up here and we said Dwayne Brown with his 87-year-old dusty hip was not going to cover Micah Parsons and limit him to a a, a pedestrian game. And they did not help him. And honestly, I know everybody loves to hate on Keith Carter, but he said something about it. He said, Hey, hack, let's, let's put a guy on him. Let's help out Dwayne Brown a little bit. Hack said, nah, that's cool. So it's just, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of negativity, but we knew, we knew a lot of this stuff about hack and and Aaron Rodgers changing 85% of the play calls. Once he finally gets to the line of scrimmage, Garrett Wilson almost spilled the beans on that one in in the middle of a press conference. He, like, walked it back. He's like, oh, you know, Aaron's going to get us in the right play. Uh, uh, You know, we're going to get adjusted. You know, we're going to figure it out. He's going to put us in the right position. (laughs) Aaron's just going to call the play. Hackett's just going to – he's going to hear some garble in his ear, and he's going to be like, nah, I like this too high shell. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to switch to this, and hot route X, Y, and Z, and then boom, we're off to go. That's going to be 85% of the Jets' offense next year. We just have to accept it. I will. I will try to squeeze a little positive into this from the report. I like that they're including Aaron in the talks of adding a senior offensive assistant because that that means that Aaron does acknowledge that something is quite frankly wrong with Nathaniel Hackett and there needs to be an upgrade. And hopefully, they do continue to explore it and make that addition.
2: Only if it's not another yes man. No, we we no, can no, say no. that until we see who the hire is, well, right? We can say that.
1: Yeah. But,
0: is it going to be even, another golfing buddy?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's always the fear, and that's going to be the fear even with players and coaches you know, you know, now at this point. But
2: here's what I don't understand: clearly, the takeaway from the story is this is Aaron Rodgers' offense. Do we all agree? Aaron Rodgers is the one that's ultimately. Okay. Well, just, just scale back with me here. We'll get to that in a second. Hold on. I got plenty of more notes here for that. But just scale back with me. It's Aaron Rodgers' offense. He's going to be the guy that changes the play, and do, they, they do what he wants anyway, right? That, we agree there? Of course. Then, then, then why do we have to protect Nathaniel Hackett so much? If Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers himself, not what the the three yo-yos on this call say, if Aaron Rodgers himself is the guy changing the play all the time, why does he have to have Nathaniel Hackett around? What does Nathaniel Hackett provide if Aaron Rodgers is going to do all the work anyway?
1: Yeah, at well, this nothing, point, I mean, that's what everyone – That was the assumption
0: when he arrived was that this is – he's going to be his buddy and Aaron's going to run the offense. And I, I said when Rodgers got hurt, I said now – with us having expected Hackett to be the guy just sitting by while Rogers ran the offense, I said, now Hackett's going to have to earn his money and be the guy because the, the the real guy is out now. So now we get to see what Hackett's got and he's got nothing. He's terrible. He's, he's a bad OC. His dad was a bad OC. He's a NEPO coordinator who got a job because his dad was a coordinator and he was in the league forever. He has a job because of who his dad was. And he probably makes Aaron Rodgers laugh when he says super hilarious things like tutties.
2: There's something funny about this. Going, don't try to be making any humor here. Okay, I I appreciate it, but I'm not.
0: I'm pointing out how I... atrocious the guy can't even make a joke right. We're gonna score. No, no, sorry. They weren't tutties. They were tutdelicious, which is <laughs> I mean, a true knee slapper. Bill Burr must have heard that and thought, "Oh, how did I not think of that? But the comedic genius." <laughs>
2: I I, I want to go back to this point because it was in the middle of whatever that rant I just had five, six minutes ago was. You have a head coach who was more concerned about the unfair press that he was getting. And that he thought the Giants should get should get the same amount of press. Can I just say something here amongst friends? And I apologize to anybody in the chat who might disagree with this. The Giants coaching staff was fracturing at the seams throughout the course of the season. They put out a better product in the second half of the season than the New York Jets did. You've got the you've got the head coach and the defensive coordinator ready to kill each other. You've got Tommy DeVito and the quarterback, and they're putting together a better product than what Robert Soller was able to put together. You've got a coach. You've got a coach that sees his quarterback go on Pat McAfee and call out the BS about leaks. And his response is to be so paranoid that he calls a meeting and he tells the person who leaked the story to stand up that they won't get in trouble. And then he threatens like my child's fourth grade teacher to steal their cell phones and look through their cell phones to try to figure out who the leak was. Guys, this guy cannot be the head coach. Glenn, you've heard me talk about it when you and I have done the show. He is going to cost the team a game because he's not a good coach, and that has not reared its ugly head yet. People have, people are mad, myself included, at Robert Sala, and he hasn't even made a poor coaching blunder the way people think Dan Campbell had a coaching blunder in the NFC Championship game. Robert Sala hasn't had a blunder like that yet that has cost the Jets a game. What are we doing here? The best coach the New York Jets can put on the field for 2024 is Robert Sala. You cannot convince me with Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Alan Glenn, uh, Ben Johnson for a brief moment of time was available. You cannot convince me that Robert Sala is the best option the New York Jets have a uh, head coach for 2024. You can't.
1: He's not. Did you just accidentally leave Bill Belichick
2: off that list? Well, I I, I, You could put him on the list. I just didn't think he would take the Jets job. So I I felt like it was not going to help my point. But yeah, Bill can go on there too.
0: And... You know the, the, the crazy thing is they need somebody with Bill's mentality of like we're going to clean this mess up. But the problem mm-hmm. is, even hypothetically, even if you could bring in Bill, he can, he can't draft. He's, he's
2: oh, I love this. Po- I love this point. I love this point because I agree. I would. I wouldn't give Bill the, the reins anyway. You're already giving the reins to the quarterback, so it can't be worse. You, you're you're Joe Douglas. You have already given up the reins to Aaron Rodgers. You're telling me that Aaron Rodgers is going to be better at this than Bill Belichick? I think Bill sucks at it. He's terrible. But Aaron Rodgers ain't great. Billy Turner, Tim Boyle, Alan Lazard, he wanted Odell Beckham Jr. How'd that work out for Baltimore? Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's another great example. He ghosted Zach Wilson two weeks into the season.
0: Yeah. It's um,
2: dumpster, fire, clown show, tire, tire fire, whatever word you want to use. uh, uh,
0: Same circus, different clowns. That's all it is.
2: Real quick, real quick, because I know a lot of people have jumped on this, and I'm not going to let them do it. I'm the first person to call him out when he does something poorly. Woody Johnson is well within his rights to see the criticism on Twitter of the way this team is performing and to go into the head coach and say, what the effort are we doing about this? He is, he pays, he, pay, he pays a lot of money for this franchise. He operates it on a, on a daily basis. He invests a lot of time, effort and money into it. He's allowed to go into the head coach and be like, all these people on Twitter are complaining about X, Y, and Z. What's going on here, dude? He's absolutely well within his rights. He's not telling Woody, uh, Robert Sala, do X, Y, and Z. Now, maybe if you want to look at the part of the story where it says that the Jets needed approval to play the young guys, maybe that's pointing to Woody. I don't know. I think that might be pointing towards Joe Douglas and higher executives in the front office in that regard. Well, I don't know one way or the other on that. But I just I'm so I get so animated about this in particular because we we are supposed to believe that by running it back and inserting a 41-year-old quarterback coming off of a major injury to his legs, that things are going to be different. What's more, gentlemen, what's more likely that on January 31st, 2025, we are talking about the New York Jets being in the Super Bowl or we are here discussing another athletic piece talking about the dysfunction of the New York Jets? There's your answer.
0: It's all like, you know, as we've said... Quarterbacks today, especially and especially it's not going to be any, any more likely with a 40-year-old, they don't play 17 games. Aaron Rodgers is going to miss time at some point. It's a question of is he going to miss two games or is he going to miss 10-plus games and they miss the playoffs again?
2: Look, I'm now of the belief that no matter who's a quarterback, if Nathaniel Hackett's the coordinator, they're not going to succeed. Uh, yeah. Read, read the story. They don't watch film and training camp. He doesn't adjust in games when his coaches, when his one of his positional coaches is screaming at him for help, and he doesn't meet with the position coaches until late in the week to game plan. You are not going to win with a backup quarterback. You have to go out of your way, folks. I hate to do this. I, I hate to do this. When the Vikings traded for Josh Dobbs, he hadn't practiced at all. Go find the clip of Kevin O'Connell talking to him in his ear, literally breaking down the play, piece by piece. Nathaniel Hackett is not doing that for the backup quarterback quarterback. Of the New York Jets, this story proves it. So they are not going to go anywhere if Aaron Rodgers misses any time. By the way, they're not going to go anywhere if Rodgers plays. This team is broken. They're poorly coached. They're poorly put together on offense. One offseason is not going to fix that. And if you believe the story, the GM is the quarterback, so Joe Douglas can't even do anything about it anyway.
0: And that, you know, the, the, the Joe Douglas comment, I think it depends on, you know, I've, I've heard people say he got off easy, but to me – that's like an emasculating thing. Like that's a type A type of job, and someone just said one of your, one of your, you know, rival executives just said you don't even have that job. You're you're a do boy. Like you sit back and someone else is doing your job for you. That's not a great look for MGM. Yeah, now, I mean,
1: it definitely painted the picture. Like he was completely handcuffed. I don't know if that's obviously like the entire truth of it, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely not a good look. For- for him specifically, but the front office as a whole, I felt like they kind of got away a little easy with this whole thing. Obviously, we know the report that came out today um, about Rex Hogan, but that apparently happened a couple weeks ago. So I don't know. I felt like the front office got off a little easy other than that specific comment about Joe Douglas not having any control.
2: I will say this, and again, we can get into the merits of did the front office get a soft landing in the story? Does that mean that they're the source for a lot of the stuff? Although in the story, it says unnamed Jets coach. So they talk to coaches. Right. They talk to people on that side of the building at, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. But I listened to Zach Rosenblatt because I, and I highly recommend finish listening to us first, but then go and listen to uh, the Can't Wait where Zach Rosenblatt explains, explains more of the story. And he mentioned that in Green Bay… Aaron Rodgers had been completely shunned by the Green Bay Packers front office. They didn't want his input at all. And he talked about how with the Jets, it had gone to the opposite, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And Zach feels that Joe Douglas has learned from that mistake. And he was very, I'm trying to put a positive spin on what I've been ranting about for the last 10 minutes or so. He said that he feels Joe is going to get back to being the Joe Douglas that we saw, have a great draft. Because he brought up a good point anything about Joe Douglas tell you that he would be interested in paying Dalvin Cook that kind of money anything anything about Joe Douglas tell you that he would give Alan Lazard that kind of money anything about Joe Douglas tell you that that's the way he would conduct free agency and so I don't know if it was Zach trying to just maybe spin a positive spin on it but Listening to him, he made it seem like the front office, like Joe Douglas in particular, had learned from this mistake. And I'm here to tell you, that is the only path out. The only path oh, out yeah. is if Joe Douglas has learned, I'm not letting this guy dictate things. I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do and see if he likes it or not. But I'm going to go back to what got me to this position and put this Jets team in a position to where Aaron Rodgers wanted to come here. Guys, that's the only way I see that this team can Does get out of this way. That was
1: Literally. one story. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dylan. I was going to say that's just literally the saving grace is if he can go back to, you know, taking charge and dominating these draft classes again, even if it's just like your premium picks and like your day three picks are questionable or you just only find depth. We've talked about it ad nauseum. If you find two starters and two backups in one draft class, that is a good draft class. Joe Douglas is very well capable of doing that as long as, you know, you don't have new new assistant GM Aaron Rodgers in his ear telling him who to pick.
0: So that's one thing every now and then this happens, right? When you when you write for a team site, whether it's a dopey blogger or a professional it doesn't matter. You're every now and then you're going to have an idea for a story and you're going to either you say I write it tomorrow or you go to write it and you see someone else had the same thought and they did a story. That happened with the Joe Douglas thing. After the season, I sat down, I thought, I'm going to do like Joe Douglas, even as he I him, had, had a horrible 12-month period, really eight-month period. He needs to get back in charge. He signed a bunch of dudes he didn't want in order I, – I literally have had people on Twitter tell me he wanted Randall Cobb. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was dying to add Randall as Cobb. Wide and, coach. Like, these guys are bad football players. And Joe Douglas added them to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And my thought was Joe Douglas needs to retake control. And say, look, this is my job and my team, Aaron, if you want to give some input, that's great, but I'm bringing in the guys I want. Joe Douglas essentially, and I made this point a few weeks ago, I tweeted it out again today, Joe Douglas essentially had a 47-man roster because he had to add Aaron's five buddies plus Aaron, that's six roster spots. Now, of course, Aaron, he was happy to add. But when Aaron goes out for the year and now you've got five useless buddies who can't play football, Joe Douglas got to pick 47 players this year instead of 53. He needs to say, look, I'm the GM. If I'm not going to pick the players and fire me, like I'm not going to quit because I won't get my money then. But if you want to fire me and pay me and someone else will hire me, that's absolutely fine.
2: I, 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 I want to just make something very, very clear because I don't want to fall into the same trap that people are accusing Zach Rosenblatt and Diana Rossini to be in. This show in particular is not absolving Joe Douglas in any of this. Joe Douglas shares a piece of the pie chart of who's to blame for what happened to the Jets in 2023. We've talked about this on the show. But when I look at long term for 2024 and beyond, who do I have more belief in? It's Joe Douglas over Robert Sala. I believe in the guy that in one draft got me Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and pro bowler Jermaine Johnson. I believe in that guy. I believe in the guy that found Brees Hall in the second round. I believe in that guy to figure it out. The guy who signed D.J. Reed in free agency. The guy who signed Tyler Conklin in free agency. I know he's got his misses, but I believe in that guy more than I do Robert Sala, who the best thing you can say about him is he he gets an incomplete because he's never had a quarterback. That's the best thing you can say about Robert Sala as a head coach. He's not even the guy that calls the defensive plays. Jeff Olbert does. Yeah.
0: Even Douglas, I made this point the other day, you know, you you look at his draft classes and, you know, we go through them and comb through where were the hits, where are the misses. And, you know, whether this is on Joe Douglas, whoever, whichever member of the Jets staff is responsible for checking these players out and looking at their background and their character. Like you look at the, the 2021 class. Yes, Zach was a huge miss. AVT, of course, immensely talented, but can't stay healthy. Elijah Moore, very healthy player, turned out to be a very selfish player. So he had to go. Michael Carter, we talked about this the other day, Dylan. I think he was let go because of the fact that he probably spoke up and said, why is Dalvin Cook getting carries over me? The guy can't run anymore because 100%. one day they have a players only meeting where everyone's allowed to speak their mind and the next day Michael Carter is released. Michael Carter said something about what was going on and it probably had to do with the fact that he was losing carries to an inferior player. So that's another good again you know we had this conversation Dylan when we did the the comprehensive review review of Joe Douglas's picks. A player doesn't have to be a superstar to be a hit. Like, very few players are superstars. That's why they're special. You, are you drafting players who are good enough to contribute to, to to good teams? And you can say talent-wise Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, absolutely. You also got Brandon Eccles in that class. You also got Michael Carter the corner in that class. You also got Jamie and Sherwood, who hasn't been great but has improved every year. Like, that class, if not for the fact that Moore turned out to be selfish and Carter spoke his mind, that may have yielded another five or six players. But it gets trimmed down yeah. because Zach was a bust. AVT is on the bubble because of the health, and then the character concerns me more. So, again, found a bunch of very talented players, but for injuries and character, it gets trimmed down and it looks worse than what it really is.
1: Yeah, I think um, as a as a whole, the fan base wants to assign blame to one specific entity. When a report like this comes out, it's, uh, oh, it's Woody Johnson. He's the problem. Or, oh, it's Joe Douglas. He's the problem. Aaron Rodgers, he's the problem. hacky you know. But when you step back, everybody's part of this problem. Like we and we've said, like you said, Chris, we don't absolve any blame of off Joe Douglas. But when you look at the confidence meter of everybody in the front office, coaching staff, even the player perspective, like Joe Douglas is the one that you believe can turn this around because he's going to be here longer than Aaron Rodgers if things work out. He's probably going to be here longer than Rob Sala even if things work out. So. Joe Douglas would be the guy that you you would put the faith in to go back to the to the drawing board with the scouts that Glenn and I sat next to at the Haberdasher last night while having dinner and drinks, and hopefully that they can collectively get back to the drawing board and you know figure this out because the draft is you know what Joe Douglas does.
2: Look, this team needs a reset. They need a reset in the worst way. They they just need to flush 2023 down the toilet and hope that they can turn things around. I, I just I read this story, it confirmed a lot of the things we felt in real time during the season. I can't help but feel helpless for what this team is going to be in twenty twenty four because I have zero and I mean this when I say it. I have zero faith in the coaching staff to getting the most out of this team. I just do. I just – I do not believe in them. And I don't know after today how anybody
0: could. I mean how you can see that story. And like I said, you can't sit there and tell me Diana Rossini's lying, and we all knew this to be the case anyway. And listen, like I said, yes, we knew Hackett was horrible, but reporting the fact that there's no prep is maddening. And that that is also, Chris – I think I said this to you earlier, Dylan – this is also an indictment of Robert Sala. Like he, it's his job to say, "Hey, man, like walk start me watching more your film." Time. Yeah. Hey, hack, show me what you do every week to get ready. Yeah, and then show say, me their tendencies um, of the opponent. And,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But, you know, like, really, in all honesty, when he came out and said he didn't know until week eight or nine that Brees Hall could catch the football out of the backfield, he should have been fired then.
2: But, but, guys, that's what should have clued us to what we ultimately learned in the story that they don't watch tape. That should have been yeah, the yeah. clue. No, exactly.
1: Well, that should have that, been the clue. That's why I, I it said. literally I came just on kind that of day. dawned on me. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say it, it just dawned on me. Like Salah brings up a lot of analytics and numbers in his po- at, like press conferences, whether it's post game or midweek. And I'm now like thinking, I'm like, do they value analytics more than the tape? And it's like, I mean, we like analytics. The three love of us, him. I'm sure. Love but but. At the root of everything, you want, you trust your eyes and what you see a player can do on the field. And I feel like maybe they're straying a little too far away from it. That that just popped in my head. I'm not saying analytics are bad, but that could be a, a possibility.
2: And I just I, I, I hate to just be just echo the same point over and over again, but I think it's important to to continually say it out loud. This staff that is indicted this poorly in this article is all coming back in 2024 name me the franchise in the national football league where this would occur name it you can't wouldn't happen unacceptable
0: teams firing coaches because they didn't get the
2: (laughs) the green bay packers went on a miracle run they fired their defensive coordinator said see you later gotta go
0: all right enough of this madness Let's talk about the players oh, who yeah. will not be making the playoffs with the Jets next year. Oh Come on. Come on. we will be positive.
2: Which player are the Jets yeah. going
0: to draft and not coach next season?
2: So can we, can we do something fun? Can I just shout names at you guys of players that I'm interested in and you guys tell me your thoughts? Because I'm not there. You were there. Can can we do that?
0: We'll make it even yeah. more fun and we'll lie
2: about every one of them. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. First name. I mentioned to you guys in the pre-show, but I'd like you to expand a little bit and, more. Yeah, wait, first, quick. For the, for the listeners, Chris, you're aware of this. We're aware of
0: this. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, there are over 120, players 100 out there. don't see every single thing every single guy does. Some of these guys you're talking about seeing a very small sample size based on what you've seen. Some guys you haven't seen at all. So
2: with that in mind, Chris. I appreciate that perspective. I will add to it. I, I've been there in the last two years. You, you go into the practice and you pick a position group that you want to follow. You miss some other stuff and you have to go back to your priors from day one or with the pocket that you're able to see them. Because I will tell you, there have been times where like I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go watch the corners, and then you just kind of you hear something from the other side and you're like, I'm gonna go over there, and then you're like, oh, I'll, t- I'll take a couple steps this way and watch this drill for a little bit. So you can get distracted very easily. Uh, I asked him. I asked, go ahead, Bill.
1: I was just gonna say our caveat because you weren't on our show yesterday. Yesterday, I watched uh, wide receiver DBs okay. and I watched O line D line. Today, okay. we switched. So, okay. So perfect. now we finally have like a, a pretty good, you know, of everything. But like we said, there's 130 guys. <laughs>
2: perfect, perfect. Uh, I would like to start with, and this is gonna be a random name, but but because I asked him about asked you guys about him in the pre-show, I'd love you to expand a little bit more. Talk to me about my guy Ricky Ricky Pearsall from Florida.
1: Not getting a ton of catches really,
0: but getting open consistently. Um, you can see the wiggle. You can see the the, the, the fluid route running. If you watch him in Florida, honestly, he's one of those guys. You don't need to see him. You don't need to see him try to catch the ball this week because you know he's got some of the best hands in the country. But going against some of these top corners, these top DBs, he's doing a really nice job of getting open. A lot of the throws, which is unfortunate, we're seeing a lot of very short, intermediate checkdown type stuff. So Pearsall's not getting very involved. But every time I've watched him, he's managed to shake DBs and get open.
1: Yeah, yesterday he had a really sick double move on uh, Cam Hart in the end zone for a touchdown, um, but then he did get beat by uh, Max Melton, the Rucker corner. But, yeah, I, I would say Ricky Pearsall stood out for, to me the most as a guy who's been getting open, and then the quarterbacks just can't get him the ball for whatever reason.
2: Um, I, I hate to do this, cause I, but I think this will be best for what we do here on this show. Let's talk about the offensive lineman. Uh, uh Fuaga has been a name because Samini threw him out there of that apparently he's caught Joe Douglas's attention and like he's the guy. I know he's there, but there are other names of players that could be available on day, day two and day three of the draft as well. Um, so if you want to talk about a couple of guys that have stood out to you, uh, from these two days.
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll out. go first on this one. Um, the guy who looked the best at the offensive tackle position, other than Fuanga, was definitely Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Yesterday was his day for sure. Um, today I got to look at the O line, D line a little bit more in depth, and I thought Christian Haynes, the UConn interior guy, he started taking reps at center today. We noticed uh, Christian Jones, kind of, kind of awkward. Christian Haynes, Christian Jones, but Christian Jones from Texas, the tackle. He looked really good to me today. And then Andrew Rame, the center from Oklahoma, also looked good. So both Oklahoma guys are definitely on my radar now. Um, But a guy that I didn't know anything about coming into the week, but the first thing I noticed was just his sheer size, was Patrick Paul from Houston yeah so that's a guy that I'm watching he was just you know getting out of his stance fast getting on the move on the outside runs they were just against air no defensive no defensive players there but he was just getting out of his stance fast and I think that's really important for what the Jets want to do offensively
0: yeah for me I think uh I think the best lineman down here has been Jackson Powers Johnson the the center out of um Oregon he's he's uh, of all the guys, he's probably got the the least wasted movement. Like everything is so perfect, crisp, almost almost robotic in a good way. Um, you don't see him get moved off his spot. He's e- able to easily ride guys around the edge when he's when he's taking guys outside on the one on ones. I think he's been the best lineman down here. Uh, But a guy who I liked a lot coming into the process and I was hoping he would show out this week. And I think he's done a nice job. I saw, you know, I saw some people giving him some love and some tweets yesterday. But um, Javon Foster out of Mizzou, really good player, big guy, good wingspan. Spoke to him today at the at the media day. talked to him about the week he's having about the game he played against Ohio State to close out his college career. Didn't realize his dad was an Ohio State player. So He said that game meant a lot to him because he wanted to have bragging rights for the rest of his life over his dad that they beat Ohio State in his final college game. But he's a guy who held up well against some really good pass runs. He does at time to time, you know, time to time he will get off balance. That's something he needs to work on, but he's one of those linemen that once you know he's aggressive and once he comes forward and gets his hands on you, you're going to have a really hard time getting away. Um, he those have been two of my favorite guys this week, and Dylan touched on some of the guys already that uh, that, that I've also liked. And Tanner Bordellini, let's give him some credit, Dylan. He got oh yeah he got he got shellacked on day one. He looked like he didn't belong here. Um, mm-hmm. Today, much better day, and you do see that sometimes. Sometimes guys yeah, yeah. From day one to day two make a huge leap. Um, saw him playing well, and I'm, I'm sure the coaches noticed that he seemed to be getting a lot of attaboys from the coaching staff. So Bordellini had a really rough day one, but a solid day two.
1: I was going to say, you know, it's a good day for you when you just finish up your one-on-one rep and the coach from behind you yells, that a boy, Tanner, what a play. And I was like, yep, you got to write that down. Bordellini had a good rep. And when those coaches start yelling at you by your first name, that's a good sign.
2: <laughs> yeah. And when you can stack days where you go from one day to the next and you show that growth, you show that improvement you're taking to the coaching, they love that. Um, I want to talk about uh, jackson powers johnson and dylan this is specifically for you because i know you were there last year you can you can attest to if this feels the same does this feel similar you're already shaking your head and so i'm getting excited better. does the, he's better than jms because that buzz was real the hype left the station and i was driving the bus for john michael schmitz at the senior bowl he's better
1: i think so he's think better he than jms in- I don't think the buzz has quite been what JMS has garnered last uh, Senior Bowl, but I think from a performance perspective, wow, he's better, wow, he's looking a lot better.
2: No, we're not taking him at ten, but wow, you want to no, you want to no. hear, you
1: wanna hear a, a
0: crazy fact about him that Jim Nagy shared with the, the press on the first morning? Um, somebody asked something about him. He's apparently a Utah kid um, from Utah. Grew up, and Jim Nagy asked him, you know who did you like growing up? And he said, Utah. And he said, who did you want to play for? He said, Utah. He said, why didn't you play for Utah? And he said, they told me I wasn't good enough. Um, I went there and they said I wasn't good enough to play college football. Um, and was that – maybe that was – Bo Nix may have said that. I think that was Bo Nix talk because they talked back-to-back. Bo Nix and Jim Nagy yep. spoke back-to-back. Um, and I think Bo Nix was saying uh, that, that JPJ was told by Utah that, sorry, you're, you're not good enough to play center at the college level. Um, and I, I, I to say he's proven them wrong at that point.
2: Oh, that gets me very excited. That, um, I'm in now. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say the only
1: factors. negative. I'd say oh, the only sorry, negative I have about about Powers Johnson, and this is completely irrelevant. I was sitting next to a guy um, from Cover One. Yeah. He's a big Ducks fan. He's you know telling me everything. <laughs> There's three Oregon Ducks here: uh, Brandon Dorliss, Bo Nix, and uh, Powers Johnson.
2: How is Dorliss looked? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt.
1: Dorliss, Dorliss is popped. He's
2: pop. okay. That's fun. That's very um, fun. He was one of my guys last year.
1: There's three Ducks, Nick's Dorless, and Powers Johnson. They're all wearing three different Oregon helmet variations. Powers Johnson picked the silver Oregon Ducks helmet. My only red flag. Like wow, should have picked that's the, tough. The black one with the yeah. window or the one with the feathers, you know. And the, the Oregon guy pointed it out to me. So I was like, you know what? That is kind of a, my true. only can't, negative.
2: Can't draft him now. Can't take
1: him. <laughs> yeah. No, but th- if we had a second-round pick – I don't even and think did, he would be there for that pick. Did I mention
0: Isaiah Adams? I meant to mention him.
1: No, and I was going to mention Isaiah Adams.
0: Yeah, Isaiah Adams, a guy who I was looking forward to coming into this because I liked him all last year at Illinois playing on the interior. Um, he started out a guard this year, only played two games, and he moved outside to tackle. I talked to him about that today, and he just said it was sort of – it was out of necessity, and he let the coaches know he'd be willing
1: to kick outside if they wanted him there. Um, but a guy who – I just got a tidbit – Sorry, sorry oh, to cut ahead. you off. I just got a tidbit from Dom C about Powers Johnson. He got an interview with him today at the convention center, and he said that he was Zach Wilson's teammate in high school. He mentioned he was a Utah
2: guy, so can't draft. Him. What, we, yeah, what are we? What, what, what are we supposed to do try with that?
1: Do, well, no. Hold on,
2: hold on. Just because they, just because they were teammates, hold on. I no, mean, we can. We got to do some more digging there, Dom. You'll get some more digging.
1: Yeah, should yeah. follow up there. As we're crossing him off our draft
2: boards for all the raw yep, reasons. Never mind. <laughs> how have the quarter? How of the quarter? This is totally not Jets related because I don't think they're going to do it. But how have the quarterbacks look? There, that normally, in my experience, for the two years that I've done this. If the quarterbacks are good, it can kind of liven up the practice a little bit. If they're slinging it around, the practice can kind of fly by a little bit more. If they're not, it can it can, it can can drag a little bit.
1: So, so you remember some of the criticism two years ago when the Jets full staff was here and that they weren't really getting the most out of their quarterbacks? Those,
2: those practices were brutal. Dude,
1: that's how it feels. That's wow. A, it, so many checkdowns. So yeah, many it's jobs. so bad. Okay, routes, seven downs. routes on air. Hook hook routes for the running backs just in the flat you get to the back of your drop why aren't you throwing the twenty yard pass they just don't do it I don't understand if it's the coaching telling them not to or they're just not trying to show bad things on on tape but I think uh, but, Carter bradley but, but I, but I thought has some of looked the best to
0: throws today and yesterday too and it's not saying much because there weren't many but uh, Carter Bradley the South mm-hmm. Alabama quarterback um, probably you know, the best uh, one here. Yeah, I believe what he hit. I believe he hit Aniah Smith on on consecutive passes. One that he ripped right over the middle. Great ball. Um, the ball's coming out with him. He's um, but but all in all, they they, they haven't looked good collectively. They, Johnny Wilson was open down the right sideline today. I think Michael Pratt's quarterback and. All he, I mean, it's Johnny Wilson. He's six foot seven. The guy covering him looked like he was 5'10". Like, just lofted up there where only he can get it. And he puts it in a spot where the corner is able to get between Johnson and the ball and, and force an incomplete pass. So, the quarterbacks just haven't been very good.
2: That's, uh... You've got Michael Penix Jr., who's being talked about as a top 10, top 15 pick. you got Bo Nix, who people are talking about potentially being a first-round guy. And... The play the quarterbacks that you mentioned, were neither of those two guys in that entire conversation. No,
1: yeah, and I was just, really hoping and, that. No, you guys but,
0: like- I like Nick's and I was I was hoping he would have a really big week. And it, it's not just me because I've I've seen a few other observers tweet out that, that Bo Nix isn't having a very good week. I haven't seen anyone say that Penix is having a particularly good week, and it's um, I don't know if it's it's you know whatever the coaches are asking him to do. But nobody and I said it to Dylan today. I said, I haven't seen any of these quarterbacks make a throw that makes you go, Oh, now I get what uh, now I get the hype. I understand yeah. why they you're just not seeing it.
2: So this is nothing this is nothing against you guys, but I have some other people that were there. So while you guys were talking, I messaged somebody else who was there and I said, This is literally all I said. I said QB breakdown, go, and I waited for a response. So while you guys were talking, I got a response and the response back was mid off like just it is just it just mid-quarterback play i'm like yeah, well yeah. fantastic
1: my, my hope and i asked um antoine staley this on the first day right after jim nagy spoke at the press conference we were just having a conversation with three of us right outside and i asked him i was like are any of these guys bo and michael Penix, specifically good enough or gonna be good enough this week to jump into the top 10 push a talented player down the board for the jets you know if we have three we know three quarterbacks are most likely going williams may daniels if one of these pennants or nicks could have snuck in the talent is just getting pushed right down to the jets but it doesn't really seem like the case after two days now we've seen you know two days of boring practices maybe tomorrow as the last day they're gonna start airing it out we don't know but I don't think it's necessarily going to change. And then, and look, <laughs> I, know, I know people don't make a big
0: deal about the game, but what happens if game day comes and they light it
1: up?
2: Nah, nah like, I don't care. Look, it's, look. What you do, it, nah, it's what you do during the three days of practice for me. I don't care. It, it, it is I will, t- t- it's t- I will tell you, I w- I've gone to the game each of the last two years, right? Like I've been at practice all three days and then I go to the game. Every time I talk about a player, in the summertime after that happens, when we talk about, oh, a draft, what do i Oh like, oh, I watched this guy have a rep in the senior bowl practice on Tuesday against this. I don't talk about how in the third quarter of the senior bowl he did. I just don't. The, I never reference the game. Never.
0: No, I get that you don't reference it, but I'm saying as a GM, as a coach, when you sit down and watch that film later and say he made this throw through a tight window in the game, do I care that he didn't make it against air in a practice?
2: It's true. Some, some, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah. maybe. Some
1: evaluators will definitely look at it differently once it's live, full game speed reps. For <laughs> sure. Obviously, the 11 on 11 periods have been boring as all yeah, hell. And I mean, I'm not, not saying they're boring because the defense is winning, because when the defense wins, it's actually a lot of fun. But yeah, it's just a lot of quarterbacks get to the back of their drop, hitch, reset, throw the flat or the check down.
2: That's unfortunate. Yeah. That is yeah. very unfortunate. It's
0: not that there haven't been. Um, any any completions down the field? Who was it? Um,
1: the two there was a the Pearsall one right? yesterday. That was the double move in the end zone. But, um, I mean, they're few and far between. Roman Wilson had a deep post route. Uh, and Roman yeah, Roman Wilson. Wilson, Wilson Listen, he, he caught a nice little out route
2: that was only 10 years down the field, but it was pretty special. So. Yeah,
1: that was He was the talk of the day.
0: I mean, yeah, you don't need
2: to go deep for those. I saw that one. That one I saw.
0: Jaquan Jackson from Tulane I have in my notes. Mm-hmm. He caught two deep balls today. One, one on a, a a double move that he got open deep down the field.
2: Were they from his teammate?
0: What's that?
1: Yeah. No, I don't think. I don't think oh, it was Pratt. I, yeah, I don't think it was Pratt.
2: Mm, unfortunate. Yeah, my guy's not. Is my guy doing well? You say the quarterbacks are very good. So is my guy struggling? Nobody,
1: He's no, kind of I just mean, flying nobody, under the radar, I like that. Even yeah. Pratt connected on one yesterday
0: on like a. I mean, I'd say intermediate, like, you know, sort of 15, 20-yarder. But, but it was – like, it came out of his hands. It just kind of fluttered, and you're thinking, is that's going to get broken up? And it didn't because the receiver was that wide open. But even the, the you know, the rare deep completion wasn't really a nice ball. But it's – the QBs have a big
2: deal. Anybody else that you guys want to shout out? Again, you guys are there. I, I know when I've been there, there, I could go for days on players. So I want to make sure you guys can yeah. get in who you want to talk about.
1: I, I think there's a lot of wide receivers that – Glen
2: oh, and I nice. like to talk about. Nice, love yeah, this. Um, I'll, just, I'll just sit back. Can, I don't know, let me just. I'll just go you, on mute you can and just start, start
1: with your list of wide receivers because you watched wide receiver DBs today.
0: Yeah, I'll run down. I'll I'll do tight ends and receivers that I've got today. um AJ barner had a really good start to practice. He's a guy I wanted to watch. If you watch him in Michigan, um I've talked about it. I've tweeted it. Phenomenal blocker. Rarely got targeted. So you know, it's a matter of. Is he not targeted because he can't get open, or is he not targeted because Michigan is just so loaded and he's not getting the football? If you watch him against Michigan State, he had, I believe, eight catches for 99 yards, so he, he did flash a little bit. Had a good day yesterday, got off to a good start today, but then he had a couple of drops, like easy drops that he just think, you know, these. this might be the reason why you're not getting the targets because you got to hang on to some of these passes. Um, Theo Johnson, much quicker than I realized, tight end from Penn State in terms of uh, his ability to break in and out of his routes. He had a, a couple nice catches on some out routes. Brevin Span Ford, who I liked last year, I actually spoke to him today as well. Asked him why he didn't come out last year because I thought he would. Um, he said it was just a matter of he loved college, he loved his teammates, he loved the quarterback and the coach and all that. Um, but he he had a, a play today where he, he was getting held. The DB got flagged, but because he's 6'7", 260 he just ripped away and broke away from the DB. And despite the defensive pass interference, was able to get down the field and and haul in the catch. So Brevin Span Ford's looked really good. Um, We mentioned – or I mentioned Theo Johnson. I'm trying to see who else I have here. Um, Again, uh, Tez Walker uh, saw at least one drop. Might have had two today. I can't even remember. Four over
1: two days, dude. Four drops in in two practices.
0: He hasn't been doing a great job. Roman Wilson is is the star of – of the Senior Bowl practices so far,
1: yeah, yeah, we have a question here from from Alon here. He says, "Is Roman Wilson going in the bottom of round one?"
2: <laughs> Based on that catch I saw on Twitter, he is.
1: Look, I, I don't want to say the cliche, but it only takes one, and there, you yeah. know, like a team like Kansas City, who's going to be picking thirty-one or thirty-two. We know that, obviously, being in the Super Bowl, like the, one of these wide receivers is going to fall to Kansas City, and we're going to be like, "Well, shit, they did it again." I don't know how they yeah. keep doing it, but you know, that talented guy just keeps getting to Kansas City. So Roman Wilson would be the guy. Um, we talked about it off air, but that's the Jaden Reed experience from last year. Like just unguardable, like when a DB finally stops him, hopefully maybe it's tomorrow. He's going to get a lot of hype and that that's going to be the the rep that you want. So it is, it is fun to see Roman Wilson, uh, balling out. Was that, was that the end of your list there for wide receivers?
0: Well, another Wilson, Johnny Wilson doing what he does. Like the guy has unbelievable footwork for a guy, his size gets open down the field um, But he, he has drops. I, I saw one drop today, but I also saw a couple of really good catches that, you know, he, he's hot and cold in college. If there's a team that believes they can coach that out of him and in a year or two, like develop him, that could, that guy can be an absolute steal and a phenomenal weapon. But until he cleans up the
1: drops, the are going to worry about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my list, Um, uh, yesterday, obviously, I had Brendan Rice, USC. Just his ability to fight through contact has been special his quickness and his separation hasn't really shined and his route running polish isn't necessarily what i thought it could be when i watched him on film but definitely his ability to fight through contact and go up and get the ball um, has impressed me Uh, we talked about walker not really popping and dropping more passes than making plays but we got to talk about our guy malachi corley i mean this guy just looks for work it doesn't matter if he, it's a run play, I watched him run across the field to the opposite field safety and just level him. Safety got picked up off both feet. I was like, okay, that's the things, we, lo- things time, we love to say. Every time Corey has the ball in his hands, like he, he just puts his shoulder down. And, and I hate using the, the cliche that everybody uses of, oh, you got to find the next Debo. But when you look at his usage, his skill set, the strength profile that he has, it's very Debo esque, and I'm not saying he could be, he will be a top 40 pick, but if the Jets had a second rounder, Malachi Corley would be on that short list of players that I'd be looking at with that.
2: Well, what, his, do you know his measurables offhand from the official measurements? Yeah. I'm going to look at something. Yeah, I
1: got him right here. They got him at 510 okay. well, and 58. I'll throw in,
0: uh, we, we didn't mention Luke McCaffrey who had really oh, good yeah, days yeah. yesterday and today. Uh, the Rice product, as, as we've said, son of Ed, brother of Christian. Um, the guy just – he blocks his ass off, showed really good hands again today. And if you watch him, watch his college film, watch him against Texas, um, scored a late touchdown against them where he gets blown up and his helmet popped off and he just pops right up celebrating the touchdown. He's – he's going to be a steal for somebody.
1: Yeah, uh, we got Malachi Corley with at 5'10 and 5'8". 215
2: pounds yeah so I, I I did a little I pulled up the mock draftable for Debo uh, D, Debo was 5'11 and a quarter 214 yeah, okay. and his wingspan was 75 and an eighth and his arm length was 31 and 3 eighths okay
1: so Corley's I, wingspan is 75 and a half okay. and his arm is 30 and 7 eighths
2: yeah, so you're so they're, about
1: a quarter inch yeah, they're
2: yeah they're close yeah they're close and, like, those numbers for Devo, just for for those listening, his height is 27th percentile amongst wide receivers, his weight is 78th percentile, his wingspan 35th percentile, arm length 32nd percentile. So not like a, a freak, like, it's the other stuff that he brings to the table as to why you like him, and it feels like that's the same with Corley.
1: Yeah. The juice that he brings at the contact point, even without the ball, but specifically with the ball, is very Debo-esque, because once he trucks you over, he then has the speed to take off and take it to distance. So, very excited to see him. Uh, NY Sports Wicker Media chiming in. Hey, hey guys, how we doing? What's up? Guys? Better now.
2: Better now that we're talking about senior role players than we were at the beginning of the show.
1: Yeah, first yes. first half of the show was, was much more negative, and the vibes have certainly picked up things, but...
2: I had but, one. Glenn, this is years. like day 17 for you on this trip, right? Like, you've been going for three weeks now. What? I said, this is like day 17 for you on the trip. Like, you've been gone for three weeks now.
1: Gone from where? Like, you've been in
2: mobile. You've been while. traveling. You explained no, to everybody on the
1: show. It sound- sounds, out, sounds like it, too, Why? <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm
1: I'm hurt. I'm hurt. <laughs> I have one more name from the wide receiver group that I do want to shout out and the most obscure school, I think, love on, it. This, on this entire roster.
2: This is what a, I do. South Mid-majors. South
1: Missouri State. Love it. Ryan Flournoy. He was okay. on the American team. I don't know. Never heard of him once before today. I think somebody's like, oh, watch number 13. Okay, I'll watch number 13 for a couple minutes. Made two or three really nice catches coming back to the ball too. I always love when it's, you, you get to the top of your route. And you realize that the quarterback is not in phase with you, and then you still come back more and make the play. So those little things, and I mean from Southeast Missouri State, you don't expect those things. But yeah, he definitely deserves to be here. And I'm so glad when when Mobile brings these guys in last year, my defensive guy was Gregory Jr. from Wachita Baptist. And so Southeast Missouri State is that small school guy that we should keep an eye on. Ryan Flournoy.
2: Okay, love it. Yep. We should go we should go before Glenn falls asleep on us.
0: I was just <laughs> no, saying, i think uh... just,
1: just a note on on he, he is not i hadn't heard
0: of him at all and same thing i saw him make a catch today and i heard somebody say the name and i was like what like who's that and then a few minutes later he made another catch down, down on the opposite sideline on a deep ball that he looked really good and i was i was like i got to i got to get spun up on this dude cuz so i i hadn't noticed him yesterday at all um, mm-hmm. and i don't i don't recall seeing his name on the roster i mean we look over the roster a million times um so obviously didn't see that one, but uh, he looked good today.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you have any other guys before we get out of here? We're about out the hour um,
0: uh, On on the defensive side, Chris Abrams Drain had a really nice, really nice mm-hmm. day. The Mizzou corner, he had a few, uh, a few, P, or at least a couple PBUs. Um, Aniah Smith, I mentioned earlier, he had a good day. Nehemiah Pritchett, who I said to you, Dylan, while we were there, I feel like I started watching him in college a decade ago. Right? <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how many years he stayed there. I don't know if yeah. he's, like Tommy, he's on the Tommy Boy plan, but he's he's been in college for a little while now. Um, but he had a good day today, I thought. I uh, mentioned Javon Foster already. I see, and again, having mentioned him, I just saw my note where Carter Bradley hits Anaya Smith deep down the middle twice in a row. So a good day for him. And um, I think that's it. I think, oh, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, did uh, either of you happen to see the rep? <laughs> It was Christian Haynes versus Jordan Jefferson from LSU, and a little bit of the scuffle that happened. They happened to catch it on uh, NFL Network as well, and the the I think it was Charles Davis and Daniel Jeremiah were in the booth. Um, Christian Haynes, the interior guard, stonewalled Jordan Jefferson, the D tackle from LSU, and they kind of got a little handsy. You know, the hands kept going up and more up into the face, and. Jordan Jefferson took his helmet, Christian Haynes' helmet off, and threw it across the entire one-on-one circle. And even the guys on television were like, "Whoa, oh, whoa, yeah. hey, hey, now, be yeah, careful!"
2: Well, there's media members down there. Somebody gets hit with a straight helmet.
1: Seriously, right? I mean, I'd I'd be concussed. But then Christian Haynes picks up his helmet, and you catch, you hear him on the hot mic. He's like, "Go to church, go to church." And I was like, "Ooh." So he won the rep, got his helmet ripped off. Didn't say anything. Picked up his helmet nicely, and then just said, "Go to church." I was like, "Dude, you won that rep four times over." And I mean, it's a bad look for Jordan and he Jefferson. He worked center but, today too, didn't he? And yesterday. Yep. Yeah.
2: Bit. yeah. yeah. Well, lo- love a guy. Love a guy who goes down there and works at different positions. I love it. Yeah. it you want If you're an offensive lineman, you go down there and you show your versatility. You're going to make yourself some money. You, you just do. Yeah,
1: one thousand yeah. percent. And and just one guy. Actually, yeah, that the guy don't, mentioned earlier,
0: Devon Foster, has been working at right one, tackle today. I, one
1: position. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no,
0: you go. No, I was gonna say Javon Foster has been working at right tackle as well. Um, since mm-hmm. I had the receivers and corners today, I didn't really notice that. Um when I did watch him today, he was on the left side, but when I spoke to him, I I asked if, if he if they were gonna ask him to play right tackle and he said he took a few reps over there
1: today. Oh, nice. Um, we have a comment here. Any thoughts on Cooper BB? Yeah, Cooper he's Beebe. He backed out. Yeah, he backed out because
0: he knows he's one of the best linemen in the draft and he doesn't have to show anything else. And he's a guy that I would take in the 20s or early second round happily if I were the Jets.
1: One defensive guy I did want to mention, he's not on the Jets' radar. He shouldn't be on the Jets' radar. Um, But he's a very good player, Quinion Mitchell, cornerback from Toledo. Yeah. Had a long pass, intercepted uh, him against Brendan Rice uh, in the end zone, I believe, or just before the end zone. So that was one of the, the only deep balls that I saw when Jan Mitchell intercepted it. Um, we don't need quarterbacks, obviously, but he's definitely a, a special talent, and I like what did he you brings. See,
0: did you see that rep? You were down there, actually, so you would have seen it. I saw it even though I had receivers, and I happened to be looking down the, to Tavondre Sweat versus Bo Limmer.
1: Oh, so – Tavondra Sweat just dog walking Bo Limmer was a pretty scary rep, and, and then, like, then there they was... like
0: fold, bent him back like a folding chair, like yeah. And I like Bo it Limmer. was
1: we talked. It again, was so one I of those where like lot. he's but holding on to, he just... to your life to bring him down with him, so, yeah. Sweat, it was, man. and then there was a uh, offensive lineman Javion Cohen from Miami. You'll probably you could find the clip of him on socials. He like hip checks a guy. Uh, coming up the arc, and he almost like took out the guys waiting to to keep going into the one on ones. Like the guys waiting on the side, he almost took out like three guys because he just hip tossed them. So Javion Walker or JVon Cohen, excuse me, did have a good rep there. But yeah, Devondre Sweat is special. I tweeted it out. I said the potential Al Woods replacement for the Jets is just having a monster week down here, in Mobile. God, and then somebody really commented, "If you want him." <laughs> Well, somebody commented and was like, if they take D-line over O-line and wide receiver, that's a mess. I'm like, I never said that, but like Kevandre Sweat would just be the, you know, the quintessential Al Woods replacement. We don't have a pick in range to get him, but I'm not saying let's go get an interior defensive lineman over any other need, you know? Yeah, well, you,
0: you know how Twitter is.
1: We only have one pick at 10. That's yes, it. We and can nothing draft else after that. You're not allowed
0: to trade picks for picks? No, you can't do to- any of that you nope. can't trade players for picks
2: no okay do that it's, nope. No. You can't if you,
1: players if you
2: don't if you don't do everything just with the 10th overall pick you, you, off season's a failure f, exactly. f grade. Seriously. Yeah.
1: Yep. all right
0: we just hit the one hour mark well hour and a minute so we will wrap things up here first, you,
2: first of all glenn's and- internet holding for the whole hour round a quick round of applause because it, it was it was testy in the pre-show
0: it was it uh, was thank you to the wi-fi gods for letting that happen more tomorrow after uh, day three for myself and Dylan Chris again next week. And um, that'll wrap this one up for us. Jets fans have a good one.